Today is International Human Rights Day, the 75th anniversary of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Now, the core ambition of the declaration has been to infuse societies with equality, fundamental freedoms and justice in Africa, wars, political instability, repression, and climate change continue to deny many in the continent's population their basic human rights. Let's discuss this now and speak to Advocate Zipo Mandula from the Tabumbegi African School of Public and International Affairs. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Let's talk about this Universal Declaration of Human Rights and what it's meant to achieve and how far is Africa and the world from achieving those goals? Refreshing morning, my sister, and to your listeners. I think if we think of UDHR, Universal Declaration of Human Rights, as you said, uh, the milestone of 75 years later is that we still have challenges of uh, freedom, equality, as well as justice in the African continent. We are we are still struggling, actually, that even if many African countries adopted uh, this charter almost 75 years ago, we still see pockets of conflicts in the African continent, uh, whether in the north, in the east, in the west. But there is still a challenge that even fundamental human rights in the UN system never recognized African human beings or African nations. That's where we, we even struggled to can popularize it. If you recall, we spoke about Africa Human Rights Day some two months ago when we were talking about Africa mm. Human Rights Day. But when you think of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, you find that many member states have uh, signed it, but when it comes to uh, making them local laws, local rights, people to can enjoy those rights, it's quite, it, it, is, it is quite difficult. Look at how UN peacekeeping missions are in Africa for many years, but we still have conflicts in the African continent. So what does it tell us then about the seriousness of African leaders when it comes to human rights on the continent? Some, sometimes it is telling us about it, even uh, the challenges of democracy, finance, uh, rule of law, deficit in the, in the sense that African uh, leaders, they signed this Universal Declaration of Human Rights, but they are the same who violated these rights. If you look at the threats of international peace and security, we see bigger countries like your know, Egypt, Sudan, Ethiopia going through that uh, for the past uh, decade. We've been seeing how many African countries are struggling also uh, with this United Nations uh, reform that we've been talking about. Because even if you talk about peace and security, human rights are also fundamental. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And especially because, I mean, we're talking about the, the, the 20 years of the African peer review mechanism and, and it, you know, the, 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 the events are starting this weekend and it's our big talking point on the show this morning. But I wonder then, um, because part of what it's meant to do is, a, is self-assessment. Are they calling each other out as African leaders where they are seeing instances of human rights violations or governance issues? You know, challenge of APRM review is that when you have concluding observations, member states become defensive when they've been told by their own peers that we see gross human rights violations here. We see women and children becoming victims of conflicts. Uh, we see that uh, this leader, A or B, is going towards um, holding power for too long. Um, and remember that South Africa was also instrumental in the APRM review process. Even us, as from this country, when APRM review assessment comes, we become uh, defensive, even if it also gives us an early warning. Because I always look at APRM assessments as an early warning system. 
it, I, I, I'm also seeing it as an indicator of where are we heading towards as Africans on issues of governance, democracy, and human rights culture. And I think we're a bit struggling because this APRM process is also other leaders they are doing it as a tick box exercise. They don't take them seriously. So what's the point then? What's the point? Because the people that are meant to receive this don't seem like they want to. No, that's correct. And you see, Professor Eddie Maloka will always tell you that leaders talk uh, right and they walk left sometimes. Leaders talk high, uh, lofty ideals of this sense, but they don't actually uh, comply with the, with that uh, spirit of African governance because we are still struggling, you know, you to say, even when you link human rights, rule of law, and governance, people are still struggling to understand. You also look at the role of multinationals mm. in violating human rights law. It's very, I mean, clear that what we see in the Middle East, what we see in uh, Somalia, what we see in the Eastern Congo, that you still have multinationals still benefiting out of conflicts that are in Africa. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, all of this is further compounded by the climate change crisis as well. Definitely. You see the Dubai Climate Conference that has happened. It happened last year. Before Dubai, there was Cairo uh, COP27. But what we see now, uh, we see also member states just going there, you see, with high delegation. They become climate tourists uh, rather than climate policy analysts. They become tourists in, <laughs> in Dubai and not deal with the questions that faces Africa. You know, you look at Libya, what it has went through this year, Morocco. Uh, Mozambique, but you find many countries with high-level delegation to this Dubai summit, I mean, to this Dubai COP28. I don't know about South Africa, but I think we are much better because we have austerity measures. Nigeria took more than 1,000 delegates to that uh, summit, Mm. I mean, that uh, Mm. conference Mm. in uh, Dubai, Kenya, Uganda. You ask yourself, was it necessary? We don't, where they're not polluting also by going in high numbers. <laughs> what is it that we are trying to get when it's, Sometimes you might think it's a joke, but it's a reality that we have policy thinkers in Africa who are just developmental tourists. You know, one can help but laugh, honestly. <laughs> you know, sometimes when these things happen, especially when you describe them with a new term that I'm stealing as well, which is climate yeah. tourists. Because honestly, yeah. a thousand people, what are you going to do? What are you going to yeah. do that yeah. you cannot do in your country? <sighs> no, correctly. And even, if, and even if you're asking for money, because the, the new debate has been climate change, rep- I mean, reparation yeah. funds, uh, it has been carbon emissions, but Africa is not the worst polluter. If you look at the numbers, we are the least polluter, I mean, polluting continent in the world. But we are the ones who are bearing this brand of the climate change effects, uh, droughts, the the heat wave that we are seeing in South Africa. We see many things that are like, why? But we are not the worst polluters. We are not yeah. uh, having emissions that is very high. And why are we not going through green e- economy also? And does it take a thousand, a thousand? members of a country to go and negotiate these but anyway thank you so much for that and and for speaking to us this morning it's yeah as you say uh climate tourists but uh, yeah do appreciate your insights this morning that was advocate sipo mandula from the tabombeg african school of public and international affairs